Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Sports with Yosef. I'm Yosef in the center and there's a lot of happened since I previewed the Super Bowl a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to start out with the Super Bowl and what happened there. Then talk about the Hall of Fame class. Coming after that, some NFL news as well as it what is happening with the new football league that recently started. I will then talk about some the Orioles and some big news there as well as some huge news that broke just a couple of hours ago in Major League Baseball, all coming up and more on Sports with Yosef. Super Bowl 52 was the Super Bowl with the most yardage of all time with a backup quarterback and Tom Brady. Well, with a young quarterback and Tom Brady this year, it was the most boring Super Bowl of all time. The fewest points scored in a Super Bowl. And honestly, the Super Bowl MVP was Julian Edelman. He had about 140 yards. He had more yards the entire Rams offense the entire game. There was two missed field goals, which had never happened before in Mercedes-Benz st Stadium in Atlanta. And it wasn't like it was great defense. It was two or three yard runs. It was incomplete passes. It was drops. It was bad throws. And granted, there was pressure up the middle by both teams. They were hitting the quarterback. Both teams did a phenomenal job. You're disguising the coverage, and I'll talk about that more in a couple of minutes. Aaron Donald did great pushing the pocket, but neither team had a run game. One of the highlights of the Super Bowl was the longest punt ever in Super Bowl history of 65 yards. It used to be 61. The record was broken by Ryan Allen. There was not a touchdown until the fourth quarter. Already in the middle of the second quarter, I was looking up the stats for the worst Super Bowl of all time. And this could be the worst Super Bowl of all time. It wasn't fun to watch. Brady couldn't step into his throws. Patrick Chung got injured. He broke his arm. He was out for the rest of the Super Bowl. He will be back, though, for the next season. It was just hard to watch. Todd Gurley was limited. And what the Rams did defensively, and credit to Wade Phillips, he did this back in 2015 on the Broncos Super Bowl run when he was defensive coordinator for the Broncos. He did a phenomenal job of stopping Brady, and he did a great job in the Super Bowl. So... The Rams, what they were doing would be, the Patriots were doing a bunch of different motion stuff. They would be showing a man and play zone. They'd play zone and show a man. And right off the bat, you could tell it was working. Brady threw an interception like on the first drive for the Patriots. And it was just very, very well done by Wade Phillips. And Brady wasn't able to tell if it was man or zone or blitz until after the snap. And that's very late to be able to tell. Great job by Wade Phillips. What the Patriots were doing, they were bringing pressure from the outside. And the Rams just were unable to do it. Another thing they did, they ran straight up the middle. They didn't run to the side to combat the zone read that the Rams run. They just went right up the middle. And it worked beautifully for the Patriots. But the, the Super Bowl was a game of field position. And there was a broadcaster's jinx in the Super Bowl on the two missed field goals. And for those Ravens fans who remember back when the Ravens played the Saints, Justin Tucker was jinxed by the broadcasters, but it, there's no such thing as an actual broadcaster's jinx. The broadcasters have to say what's going to happen, and they do it really, really well. And it's you can't blame it on the broadcasters. The broadcaster's jinx, it just doesn't exist. And while people might think that it does and I agree that the players shouldn't be hearing what the broadcasters are saying. Because way back when the Orioles were having the no fan games, 
in Baltimore, you could hear the broadcasters talking in the booth. And it was not good for the players to be able to hear that. Nobody wants to hear that they made a mistake. That they made a bad play. And so, you don't want to be hearing that. But the broadcasters should be able to say what they want. And they do say what they want. And so, that's just my rant on the broadcasters, Jinx. But back to the Super Bowl... It was very ironic how the, the Rams got to the Super Bowl on a no-call pass interference, and what clinched the game for the Patriots, Goff was looking deep down the sideline on a fade at about the one, and there was a no-call pass interference against the Patriots. It should have been a, a flag. I was a little bit upset that there was no flag there. What came next, though, on the next play was Goff doing an interception, which sealed the game. Kind of ironic how that the Rams got to the Super Bowl on a no-call pass interference and lost the Super Bowl on a no-call pass interference. And there was a couple of lines going around the NFL um, after the game. I love this one. Scored the half. Maroon 5, Patriots 3, Rams 0. It was just tough to watch. And one thing that wasn't tough to watch, though, was the Hall of Fame inductions. Ed Reed. Got into the Hall of Fame for the Ravens. He's an incredible ball hawk. One of the greatest of all time. Seventh most interceptions of all time. He has the record for the longest interception returned all time. That was against the Eagles. He was a team player. You would see him on interceptions lateral the ball so that the Ravens could score. It was never about me, me, me. It was about the team and winning and just playing well as a team. As Ray Lewis said, if Ed Reed was behind me, I played better. He was just a phenomenal ball hawk. He was a leader on the field. He was a first ballot Hall of Famer. Back-to-back years, by the way, that the Ravens have have had a first ballot Hall of Famer. Goes to speak to the credit that Ozzie Newsom has done for the Ravens at general manager. He was part of a three-headed monster on defense for the Ravens in Terrell Suggs, Ray Lewis, and Ed Reed. He was part of the Super Bowl 47 run to cap Ray Lewis's career. He was just a great player, team player, and he will be inducted in August. And it will be very interesting to see what the over-under is for his speech, whether it will be longer or shorter than Ray Lewis. My prediction is shorter. In other NFL news... The Chiefs have stopped Patrick Mahomes from playing basketball. A video went out that he was playing basketball, and that was a big no-no from the Chiefs, so that is stopped. Robert, Robert Offer III, the veteran cornerback for the Falcons, he was released by the Falcons and signed by the Cardinals. And there was a tweet of Julian Edelman and Tom Brady. And the caption was, well, who will be that guy for Lamar Jackson? And there's been a bunch of different trade rumors whether that guy could be Odell Beckham Jr., not likely, but it could happen. I mean, it'll be an interesting fit because you have to be able to double-team Odell Beckham Jr. There's no one-on-one guy who's going to be able to do it. And so what does that open up? It opens up the running game. And if and if you're really not going to double-team OBJ, then just throw him the ball. Have him be this wide receiver, the lone wide receiver to one side, and just throw him the ball. So... That could be very interesting for the Ravens, and another wide receiver could be getting traded. Another top-tier wide receiver could be getting traded. Antonio Brown. He's had talks with the Steelers' owner, and it looks like they have agreed to part ways. Where that will, where he will be going to will be interesting to see. The, some options are the 49ers, the Cardinals, the Jets, maybe the Colts. 
I mean, there have definitely been some tweets about him coming to the Ravens, as well as his teammate Le'Veon Bell. It'll be very interesting to see where he goes in free agency this year. So some big name players are going to really be influencing the free agency and the teams for the 2019 season. But in other football news, a new football league has started, the AAF, the American Alliance of Football, and it's not been going well for them so far. They had to take out a loan for $250 million recently to help pay their players and coaches. Not a good sign. The league goes from after the Super Bowl till the draft where the playoffs are after that. And a couple of notable Ravens who are playing the league, Josh Woodrum and Will Hill, are both in the league. And one of the best plays from that league actually was... So, when you're inbounding a ball for soccer, you have to have both hands over your... Uh, had going backwards and then going forwards. Well, there was a quarterback who had a no-look pass, but backwards of how you do a soccer inbound. He basically threw it with both hands just over his head. It was caught by his tight end on the sideline. Patrick Mahomes tweeted about that. Well, it looks like I have to step up my game. Um, incredible play to watch. Look kind of lucky. Maybe it was skill. I don't know. Honestly, it's just fun to be able to watch th that kind of athleticism and luck and skill all coming together for phenomenal plays like that. Well, the Orioles, their former center fielder, Frank Robinson, died at 83. He was with the Orioles for two World Series wins. He was an icon in Baltimore sports and a huge leader when he was in Baltimore and in other Orioles news Joe Angel retired he's at 71 he had 40 plus years of broadcasting not all for the Orioles he was the voice of the Orioles an incredible guy and I listened to the radio because of him and it's gonna be interesting to see how many people now listen to the radio the Orioles have yet to decide who will be taking over that position. He was just such an amazing guy. He had amazing phrases. The Trumbo Jumbo, Mr. Jones, a Manny Grandy. So many iconic phrases for the Orioles, and he will be sorely missed in the broadcasting booth. And better Orioles news, the Orioles signed Alcidos Escobar, the former Royals shortstop, to a minor league contract. Escobar was with the Royals for their Two World Series appearances and one win back in 2014 and 15. We'll see whether he makes a roster, but the Orioles adding some depth in the infield there and some veteran leadership in the clubhouse. And a lot of free agents have been unsigned so far in the MLB, including Orioles former Orioles center fielder Adam Jones. Whether or not he comes back to Baltimore, I don't know. I think the Orioles just don't have a spot for him right now. And it's going to be interesting to see because you've got Mullins in center field most likely. You've got Mancini in left. You don't have a real right fielder, but you want to have young guys be playing there. You, there, not Adam Jones. And I'd love to see Adam back, but I just don't see how he can fit into the roster. It would take an injury of a DH or Mullins or someone like that. If Let's say Trumpo would get injured. Maybe they would resign Jones midseason or something like that. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what's going to be happening when you have the collective bargaining agreement ending in a couple of years. Free agency has been very slow over the last couple of years. The Orioles have a game on Saturday. And you've got, and coming into today, 
when I was making this podcast on Tuesday the 19th, some of the biggest names in baseball, unsigned. Manny Machado, Bryce Harper, and you could honestly make a legit team that would be a playoff contender out of guys who weren't signed. You've got pitchers like Dallas Keuchel, Corey Kluber, Yuan Mustakas was unsigned until very recently. He, he just signed with the Brewers. And then you've got, obviously, Machado, Harper, Jones. And I'm, I know I'm missing some huge names here um, that were unsigned. It would just it made no sense what's been, gonna, been happening with the free agency. Looks like owners have realized, hey, we don't need to be playing these pairs, uh, paying these players so much money as we used to. It'll be interesting to see what happened there. But earlier today, Manny Machado signed a 10-year, $300 million contract with the Padres. Kind of surprising there. I mean, there were rumors over the last couple of days that Machado had gotten a $240 million eight-year offer from the Padres. He'd also gotten offers from the White Sox and the Phillies. Apparently, though, the Yankees never actually made him an offer. But he will be with the Padres in a very good division in the NL West. And then Bryce Harper. He's in serious talk with the Phillies. I expect him to go there. He's also been in talks with the Padres and the Giants. Remember, he turned down a 10-year, 300-mil offer from the Nationals. But, like I said, the Orioles have a game on Saturday. The regular season starts in just over a month. And... If I'm these players, I want to get signed. I want to report. I want to get myself into back into baseball form and get myself ready to play in the regular season. It'll be very interesting to see where Harper decides to go. I expect him to go to the Phillies, but where he goes will make a huge impact in the playoff race. If he goes to the Phillies, I will predict the Phillies to win the NL East. If he goes to the Giants, I mean, that division, the NL West, will be so good. I'd love to see, honestly, Machado and Harper playing against each other 21 games a year. I think that'd be a great storyline. I would also love the fact that they're not playing the Orioles very often at all. It'd be interesting to see, though, what happens, because remember the NL West, the Dodgers are there. They made the World Series over the last two years in 2017 and 2018. And now you've got this emerging team with the Padres. You've got an interesting Rockies team. A Giants team with a bunch of pieces that if they could get Harper, they would be really good. And then the Diamondbacks, who look like they're on the decline. be very interesting to see what going, goes on with that division. I'll talk about more about what I expect to be happening the baseball season later on in another episode. But keep an eye out for one of my next episodes. I'm going to be hopefully having one of the lawyers for the Orioles-Nationals Masson debate. Come on and talk about that. So that'll be very interesting. So keep it tuned for that. Just very quickly about the Orioles. This is a team that doesn't have a real lock at any position. Obviously, you can pencil in Chris Davis at first base, Trumbo at DH, Mullins in center, Mancini left. But no player on this Orioles team has played well enough to earn the spot to be on the roster. It's, gonna, it's very interesting to see what's going to be happening right now over spring training and the games. And by the way, Brandon Hyde canceled all inter-squad games, which I like, it, by the way. It keeps your players a little fresher, but he'll be able to judge this team enough by all the games that they have between now and the start of the regular season. There's no real guy you're going to be saying, hey, this guy's for sure on. A for sure lock to start. And MLB.com, I think, came out with a thing on 
which player from each team will be on that team when they win their next World Series. And the Orioles, if you have to think about it, you have no idea. Maybe Cedric Mullins, if he show, comes out to be what I hope he will be. Maybe Trey Mancini. I don't know. And I'm going to make a bold prediction right now. Chris Davis will be, do better than he did last year. I think he's going to be motivated with some new coaches to try to figure out what's been going wrong and fix it. Hopefully that will happen. Hopefully the Orioles season, even minus Joe Angel, will be very entertaining to watch. Until then, thanks for listening to this edition of Sports with Yosef. I'm going to try to get another episode out as soon as I can. I'm Yosef Center. I'll see you next time.